How's it going, everyone? This is Garrett Corpenning back for another episode of Locked On Clippers, the official LA Clippers podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, in addition to this show, I also cover the team for Clipperholics, which is fan sided's one and only Clippers blog. And you can also find me on Twitter at GA Corpenning. That's G A C H O R P E N N I N G. Feel free to send me questions there as well as comments about the show and anything else you feel relates to LA Clippers basketball. Welcome back, guys. It is Monday, May 21st. Looking forward to another great episode, another great week with you guys. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I'm looking forward to talking about some uh, pretty big stuff today on today's show. So to start things off, I'll be addressing some of the hottest Clippers rumors, including a potential scenario in which DeAndre Jordan returns to the Dallas Mavericks and maybe for good this time. After that, I'll be responding to some of your questions in today's mailbag segment. And to close, I'll update you on the NBA playoffs, as well as give an updated NBA Finals prediction. But before all that, I want to jump right into the rumors, uh, because these are pretty hot, pretty steamy rumors here that I want to address uh, as soon as possible. So, Kevin O'Connor, from The Ringer, reported that the LA Clippers are interested in trading up in the NBA draft, uh, potentially to select Missouri's Michael Porter Jr., and according to O'Connor, uh, Steve Ballmer, Clippers owner, reportedly paused his own interview during the NBA Combine last week or last weekend to go stand around Porter during one of his uh, during one of his interviews at the Combine. Uh, and during that interview, Porter labeled himself as the best player in the draft, stating that he could not wait to show teams what he could do. Pretty bold statement coming from a guy like Porter who missed the majority of his NCAA season, but given his potential and his ceiling, uh, certainly has the potential to become the best player from this draft class. So, in order to get Porter, the Clippers would certainly, you know, definitely have to give up uh, both of those number 12 and number 13 picks in this year's draft to acquire Porter, who is a projected top five pick in most mock drafts that I've seen. A lot of them do have him sliding a little bit because of his injury history, which I've talked about before. Uh, Porter did have to undergo back surgery last year. towards the beginning of his NCAA season to fix an issue he had there. Uh, ended up missing all but three games of the year. It didn't look super impressive in those games, but, you know, given uh, his injury and that, that recovery from the surgery there, kind of makes sense. You don't want to judge a player based on, you know, his, his worst work there uh, in those few games. But assuming he's healthy, assuming that, uh, you know, he did play all season, Porter likely would have been, it could even be still, a top three pick in this year's draft. So, you know, given the potential this guy has, given uh, the ability that we could see him having in the NBA uh, just in a matter of years, uh, you know, trading up the, with those two picks, uh, it, it's certainly going to take that much at least to get a guy like Porter on the team. Uh, I do think he has potential to be an all-star in a couple years, uh, if not sooner. Um, so, you know, he projects a scoring forward. He'll be a team's top option both on and off the ball. He has a great, great handle of the ball uh, and is also an excellent mover around the court off the ball. So it doesn't have to be a team's top option. Uh, or have the ball in his hand all the time if he needs to. So uh, Porter, I do think, is a fantastic player. Would be a great fit on the team as well. You know, I, I do think it could fit right in there uh, where Tobias Harris or Danilo Gallinari could be right now. Uh, I do think one of those guys ends up getting moved this summer. So whenever, you know, whichever one of those guys leaves, Porter could be a great fill-in for uh, immediately. He could start right away with the team. Um, and he could start either position. He could be a small forward or a power forward. He's kind of listed as a forward. Uh, he's, you know, he has the size and ability to play both in the NBA. So, uh, you know, could fit in both those spots there. But the only real concern with Porter then is that back surgery. And he missed most of the college season. You know, you wonder, is that a cause for concern? Is it something that's just kind of like, you know, kind of just cancel that out and go back to what he did in high school, which was, you know, ultimately very impressive. Um, 
And I do think it is a little bit concerning, especially given the Clippers' injury history and that sort of thing, uh, with taking high picks and um, you know just bad luck in general with uh, prospects and injuries and that sort of thing. So is there cause for concern? Absolutely. But what would a top five pick be without cause for concern? There's always a little bit of worry, always a little bit of hesitation there with taking a guy like that. Uh, you know, he's not the safest pick in the draft, obviously, with his injury history, uh, but does have one of the highest upsides in this year's draft class. And I do believe that trading up for him would be a great option if the team feels it's necessary. And at this point, it seems like it may be. Uh, so my verdict on this, I, I am all for it. I do think that trading up would be a great uh, option to pursue someone like Michael Porter Jr. Uh, if he is still available to pick the Clippers or looking to trade up to uh, with a team they're looking to, um, you know, get that going with. So... Also from O'Connor, in the same article on The Ringer, uh, we've learned today that the Dallas Mavericks are interested in pursuing three different bigs this summer, uh, including DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so Jordan has a player option for the next season, and we should be hearing soon whether or not he'll be opting in or out of that deal. Uh, however, that still won't tell us whether or not Jordan will be leaving this summer. Uh, you know, if Jordan does opt out of his contract to become a free agent this summer, and Dallas could sign him outright, uh, they're going to have somewhere in the ballpark of $25 million this summer to sign a player, which is a million more than he's slated to make next season if he does opt into his contract. Uh, however, if Jordan does opt out, that doesn't mean the Clippers still couldn't trade him. This is what happened with Chris Paul last year. He opted out of his contract, uh, gave a verbal agreement that he would re-sign, ended up re-signing uh, for that one-year deal there uh, that he has right now or a two-year deal, rather, with, with a player option in the second year, uh, and then being traded to Houston. So Jordan could do something similar. He could opt out of his deal right now, sign a smaller deal, um, perhaps with a player option on a second year or something along those lines, and then be traded to Dallas uh, via a sign-in trade like that. So that is possible. That is something that you can't rule out. So just because Jordan does opt out or he does opt in doesn't mean he's definitely gone or definitely here to stay. And then Jordan opting in as well doesn't mean the Clippers won't trade him or keep him. A team would just be getting one guaranteed guaranteed year uh, of Jordan, like a trial, uh, so to speak. And that's you know unfavorable in some circumstances, but it might be what Jordan wants because a one-year win in Dallas is similar to what Paul has in Houston right now. And although Paul is expected to either opt out and reassign or opt in and then reassign the following season, uh, you know Jordan could opt into his deal get traded elsewhere, and then take the year in Dallas to get his stock up uh, on the market and that sort of thing and decide whether or not he likes his new home. And, you know, you might wonder why he would do this. And I say, that's a great question. Uh, Jordan could just as easily opt out instead of going for this whole year trial trade thing. But at this point, Dallas is a bottom feeder in the Western Conference. And, you know, what if he signs a four or five year deal there and decides halfway through this first season he isn't happy there. He could certainly, you know, request a trade, but why not allow a sign-in trade that gets you $24 million guaranteed in your first year and then spend that season in Dallas before deciding what the next step is. And at 29 years, going on 30 years, you know, with limited offensive game, there's no guarantee that Jordan will get that money that he wants anyway. So taking $24 million guaranteed by opting in and getting traded, uh, you know, seems like a good option for both sides there. Um, so might be the smartest move for Jordan and for Dallas as well. Uh, rather than giving a long-term commitment to a guy that might not have as big of an impact in the game in a matter of years. And you might think I'm done there with these two rumors, but there is another thing to consider that could tie these two together. Porter Jr. in most mock drafts is being projected to be selected by the Dallas Mavericks at pick number 5. So if the Clippers are able, I do believe that a trade involving Jordan 
as well as one of the Clippers lottery picks for the number five pick is a plausible trade. Uh, Jordan picks number 12 and 13. You know, it's a lot to ask for, for a player that has an uncertain future like Porter and an offer that I don't think the Clippers would pounce on right away with the Mavericks if that is something they, they do negotiate. Uh, a counter offer, therefore, of Jordan and pick number 12, I think is great for both teams. You know, theoretically, the Clippers could still then select Robert Williams, pick number 13, if he's still available, who could be Jordan's potential replacement. Clippers could also get, uh, you know, their player of the future, Michael Porter Jr. from the Mavericks uh, before he's selected by them. So a trade that involves both those players there, both those picks, um, you know, might be best for both sides, might be the most negotiable thing going on. And there could be extra details as well. Clippers could throw in some more players, Mavericks could as well, maybe a second round pick, that sort of thing going on. Um, but that is an option. I think it's possible. I do think that uh, whether, again, whether he opts in or opts out, that could still happen. So, you know, we'll see an announcement soon. We'll see some news breaking on our phones pretty soon about whether Jordan uh, does opt in or opt out of his deal. But don't think right away that means anything. Rather, it just kind of narrows down the options of what he could get in return um, from certain teams and what Clippers could also get in return as well uh, for Jordan, if anything. And of course, I would love to hear your thoughts on the potential Jordan deal. So, you know, do reply on Twitter. Do tweet out your thoughts, you know, at me, whatever you had to do. Let me know what you think the Clippers should do uh, with Jordan and with those picks they have. Uh, I want to hear what you guys think about that and like to answer your questions on the on the podcast here. So, um, you know, if you, have a, if you have a thought about that, something I didn't mention, maybe uh, go ahead and at me. Tell me what you guys think about that, and I will address that uh, if you want me to. So moving on from that now, it is time that I answered your questions that you did ask in this Monday's mailbag segment. If your company is interested in advertising a man between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Clippers listened to by 98% men, and 80% of those men between the ages of 18 and 44. If that speaks to you and that's a fan base you'd like to advertise to, Shoot me a message over at gcorpenning at outlook.com. That's G-C-H-O-R-P-E-N-N-I-N-G at outlook.com to get things started. Our rates are very reasonable, and I would love to do business with you and your company. So guys, coming up, we'll be talking about this weekend's top stories. But first, I will be answering your questions in my first mailbag segment. So my first question here is, who should the Clippers take with their picks in this year's draft? And should they trade up? And uh, does trading up make sense? So I do think that uh, with those picks, they have any mix of Miles Bridges, Robert Williams, um, Shea, Gilders Alexander, Michael Bridges, Colin Sexton, any of those kind of guys, uh, they would all be fantastic right there, uh, any of those picks, especially if Sexton and uh, Bridges, Michael Bridges, that, there it is, uh, could fall that far. Uh, trading up, though, I do think is another option that I'm in favor of, um, but I do think you want to trade up for a player with franchise-changing potential, like Porter that we talked about earlier, um, because, you know, you don't want to trade up for a guy like Colin Sexton. You don't want to reach that far for someone that uh, is going to be more of a complimentary guy than a franchise-changing, you know, all-time kind of player, uh, especially using both picks to do so. That's just not ideal. Uh, and, and I do think, like you asked, I do think trading up does make a lot of sense. Uh, with picks number 12 and 13, you're going to get guys, like I said, that are more complimentary players than faces of the franchise. And since the Clippers don't have one absolute star on the team, uh, I do think that a franchise piece would really be uh, pretty great for the team. Uh, in addition to that, I do think that if you can trade out both of those picks, you would want to get uh, at least one pick right now and maybe even a future pick in return. Um, 
maybe a second round pick and this year's draft if a team has to offer it. Uh, whatever you can get out of that, try to get as much as you can. Um, but, you know, obviously don't don't ask for too much because uh, you do want to get that top pick in the draft if you're able. Um, so moving on to question number two, should the Clippers buy a pick in the second round? And I do think that, you know, if the right player is there the second round, then uh, definitely. Uh, I told you guys last week that I was a big fan of um, Javon Carter and Jalen Brunson, both guys that could go in the second round, both guys that would be uh, veteran point guard replacements that would be a pretty solid option for the team to rely on uh, if need be, like last season. Uh, and then if they're both still there, I do think that Sviatoslav Mikhailuk and Grayson Allen could both be excellent second-round steals as well. Uh, Allen and Mikhailuk are both raising their stocks quite a bit in uh, last week's last weekend's um, NBA Draft Combine. Um, Mikhailuk scoring a whole lot of points in those uh, scrimmages there, and Grayson Allen having a lot of uh, really, really high and uh, favorable, uh, measurable um, numbers and that sort of thing. So I think both of those guys in the second round could be great. Um, you know, Clippers did buy a pick in last year's draft, uh, two picks that actually was that ended up becoming Juwan Evans and Sundarius Thornwell, uh, both who panned out to have pretty successful rookie seasons uh, with the advisor of Jerry West. So I do think with someone like Jerry West advising and taking a pick in the second round, um, it would be a pretty uh, good option to do if the player you like is still there. So now with question three, we're going to get a little bit deeper. Uh, would you expect the Clippers to make the playoffs as is if they don't add a star this summer? And I think this is a fantastic question from whoever asked that. I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. I'm not really naming names anyway. But uh, I do think um, this is a harder question to ask. And I do think that, um, you know, you can't totally base next season off what you saw this season uh, just because of the inconsistency of other teams, not knowing what other teams are going to do, and the unpredictability of this summer, uh, free agency, that sort of thing, in the draft. So I think, you know, considering all the health woes this season and the fact the Clippers barely missed the playoffs last season with all that going on, then yeah, I think there is a chance that they could theoretically make the playoffs next season as is. Uh, however, I, if that does the case, I, I wouldn't expect a high seed in the bracket, first of all. And I also think that an early exit would be probable. Um, you know, Clippers' last season roster really couldn't compete with the teams in the playoffs this season. And when you have a, a lower seed in the tournament or in the, in the playoffs, uh, you're going to face up against a, a higher seeded team in the first round and I think that last year's roster couldn't compete with Houston uh, or Golden State, those kind of teams in the playoffs this year. Uh, so, you know, if everyone's healthy, then sure, a core guy, a core rotation there of, you know, Milos and Patrick Beverly, Tobias Harris, Danilo Gallinari, and DeAndre Jordan, if they, was, if they were all healthy all season, then yeah, I do think that would have been a pretty solid team, one that could have, you know, made a little bit of an impact, at least in the playoffs. But because of how unpredictable everything is and because of how um you know inconsistent other teams were at certain points and just there's, there's too much to kind of factor into that question uh, i do think that uh if you do want a realistic shot at the title you know adding a star is vital because there isn't really one you know current like star or face of the franchise on this roster uh, i guess if i had to pick one i'd say tobias harris or, Denoa, or deandre jordan um but you know jordan probably will be gone soon didn't have a super big impact last year just was the biggest name on the roster really and then Tobias Harris probably had the biggest impact since Blake Griffin uh, was gone. Uh, you know, could have been Gallinari, but since he didn't play enough, can't really make that argument there. Um, so next season, you don't add a star. You're probably going to repeat what we had this season. More, you know, late lottery picks, which, you know, is good, but it's not fantastic. You're going to get in the lottery. You want to get a better pick than you can 
you know, as a best pick as you can get. You don't want to have a lower pick in the lottery. Um, so I think that you have to add a star to this roster to make it really competitive next season. And they have an actual chance at the title, which, you know, ultimately is the goal. Um, so question four now, uh, who is the best social media follow on the team? I think by far it's Tobias Harris, um, just because he's constantly sharing images and videos of what he and Boban are doing, uh, whether it's, you know, them dancing, uh, this picture went around last week or two weeks ago now, um, of he and Boban looking pretty upset that DeAndre Jordan has the FaceTime call. That was good for a few laughs. Um, picture of Boban playing Fortnite and how big the controller looked in his hands, which was, you know, very small. Um, you know, just a lot of like funny, goofy stuff. Tobias, he's a pretty good follow, pretty um, positive guy on there. I also like Patrick Beverly's uh, Twitter a whole lot. Um, he posts a lot of uh, pretty, pretty funny stuff and pretty intense stuff, given the way he is and that sort of thing. And sharing workout videos, whatever it is. Lou Williams has some good stuff. Um, DeAndre Jordan, uh, just I guess the main guys, the main core guys, they'll have good Twitters. Um, pretty, pretty interactive as well. Uh, pretty funny people. So they're always, you know, they're all good to follow. Number five, uh, do you view Tobias Harris as tradable? And what kind of return would you want? Um, so first of all, yeah, I do think Tobias Harris is a tradable asset. And I think he could warrant a solid return. Uh, I think, you know, straight up, you'll get at least another starter back in return for him. Or perhaps you could swing him for a younger asset uh, and, or pick in this year's draft. Uh, I do think he'd also warrant at least one first pick in my mind. Probably just uh, just, just one first round pick in, in this year's draft um, by himself. But if you're talking about flipping him for someone like Kawhi Leonard, I do think you're going to need to include uh, both picks in this year's draft, as well as he and either Gallinari, DeAndre Jordan, or Edgar Bradley. Um, you know, Tobias in one pick it really isn't enough for Kawhi Leonard, since the Spurs did come out last week and say that they'll only be accepting Grand Slam offers for Leonard. Um, so I do think you're going to need someone like Harris, someone like Gallinari or Jordan or Bradley, uh, maybe even two of those guys as well, plus both first-round picks in this year's draft. Um Another option potentially could be trading up for that uh, that number five overall pick, and then even trading that with Tobias Harris or uh, and or DeAndre Jordan uh, to for to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, it's a more favorable pick. Spurs could get like another game changer there, as well as Harris and Jordan or someone else like that. So that could also be an option as well. Um, that's something to consider certainly. So we'll see what that does moving forward as well. Um, but. Is Tobias Harris tradable? Absolutely. I don't think there's any untouchables in this roster right now at all. Um, I, I really don't. Yeah, if the team wants them, I don't think there's an offer the Clippers won't uh, make in return to try and get someone out of there and upgrade the roster because, you know, ultimately the goal is to have the best roster available. And if someone makes an offer that's better than what you have right now, then you'll take it no matter the circumstances. So uh, that whole roster I don't think is untouchable. I don't think any guys um, in particular are untouchable at all. So... Uh, is Tobias Harris tradable? Yeah, Gallinari. Yeah, of course. Jander Jordan, of course. Everyone on that team, uh, tradable, no doubt. And then our last question uh, for this mailbag segment uh, is: This year's disaster scenario, everyone opting in, uh, and you know, I, I could see that being the case, and I do agree with that for the most part. I think. Um, well, first of all, you gotta think that Milos and Austin, uh, Avery Bradley, and um, DeAndre Jordan, uh, they have all yet to make decisions on their contracts. Uh, so if they do all opt in. 
you'll have an even more complicated log jam, I want to say, in the backcourt because you already have Milos and Patrick Beverly and Austin Rivers and Juwan Evans and Tyron Wallace, maybe, and C.J. Williams. You have, and Blue Williams, of course, too. You have all these guards in the backcourt, and then you're also going to have Milos and Austin and Avery, um, you know, return that's going to create a real issue back there, uh, and it's going to be hard to play all those guys and give them the minutes they want without them being unhappy. So that's going to be an issue right there by itself. And then DeAndre Jordan, if he opts in, that is most of your cap space you could have this summer. Uh, he opts in, you're going to have about a million dollars this summer to sign players, which isn't enough money to really sign a big impact player. You have to rely only on the draft unless you can make a trade somehow. Um, so I do think that because of the serious lack of cap space that we have already, uh, and if all those guys do opt in, you're going to have a real hard time trying to get uh, you know better other players in the team and you're going to have just the same roster we had last year, plus some rookies. So uh, that would be an issue, of course. Uh, however, I do think that if they could work out a certain trade and move on from a couple players like Avery Bradley and Dota Jordan, uh, it would create a little bit less of a mess uh, all over the court for the team and have some cap space as well to bring in some more players. Uh, Milos and Austin, though, I don't think they would be able to move. Um, that's not really... I mean, you could certainly trade those guys, but I don't know who's going to want... Uh, Milos, Tato, such kind of player, or Austin Rivers, since, you know, outside of Clippers, he's kind of seen as useless. Um, so, with all that there, um, yeah, opting in, everyone opting in would be would be a pretty a pretty big mess. Um, wouldn't be, it would be the worst thing, but it wouldn't be the worst thing if they can negotiate some trades there and get certain players out of there. Um, so, everyone opting in alone wouldn't be the death sentence, but everyone opting in and then staying would would really be um, a pretty big hit to uh, you know the future of this team and the potential it has next season. So uh, yeah, that would be a pretty big best. And I, I wouldn't want to see that happen. Um, we hope it doesn't, and uh, we'll see what happens there this summer, I guess. So um, so moving forward now, guys, onto the last segment of the day, I want to talk about um, you know this weekend's top stories, update you guys on the playoffs, and talk about what we have coming for you guys in tomorrow's show. Uh, so first of all, the Cleveland Cavaliers topped the Boston Celtics uh, 116 to 86 in Game Three. You know, after being dismantled in both Boston games, Cleveland um, decidedly took down the Celtics in Game Three, winning by a 30-point margin. Uh, you know, LeBron James scored 27 points and had 12 assists in that game. But I do think the main story, like everyone else is saying, uh, is Cleveland's supporting cast. Uh, in Game Three, the Cavs had six players score in double figures while they had just seven players score in double figures in games one and two combined. So getting the whole team to, to be productive and score like that, you know, obviously that's a that's a pretty easy way to win. Uh, it is, it's much easier said than done, as we've seen in the first two games of that series. Um, but I do think if Cleveland can continue to keep that kind of thing going, I think home court's very important to them as well. Uh, they could, um, you know, win that series for sure. Um, so game four of that series is tonight at 5.30 Pacific time. Um my prediction, I think the Cavs win that one as well. I do think that um, my initial prediction for this series was was the Cavs winning this series in six or seven games. Uh, it changed last week to Boston winning in six or seven, but now I'm kind of on the fence again. I do think Cleveland can win this game in seven, if seven games. Uh, if they do win at least one game in Boston, there they're going to have to uh, to win it in seven games. So um, I think both teams at this point kind of have an equal chance. It's kind of a toss up at this point. Um, you know, single Cleveland did in this game. Was, was pretty impressive, and if they can continue to do that uh, in these next few games here, then they have a chance to win the series, uh, without a doubt. But it's, like I said, much easier said than done, and we'll see what happens uh, in tonight's Game 4. Secondly, 
Uh, the Rockets fell to the Warriors last night, 126-85, to a 41-point margin of victory. Uh, James Harden and Chris Paul combined for just 33 points, while Stephen Curry scored 35, and Kevin Durant had another 25 points. Uh, in fact, the Warriors starting five outscored the Rockets altogether, uh, with the Warriors starting five scoring 93 points, and the Rockets scoring just 85 total. Uh, Houston's 19 turnovers limited their possessions a lot, uh, was you know a pretty big factor in their loss. Um, you know, Houston only had 81 uh, field goals, field goal attempts in the game uh, as compared to Golden State's 92. So the Rockets, um, you know, didn't get as much of a chance to actually make an impact and score a lot of points in that game as the Warriors did, uh, and that was their own fault. Uh, the Warriors also recorded a mere eight turnovers in that game compared to Houston's 19 and played pretty much perfect basketball. Uh, Golden State was also very sound defensively. They recorded 11 steals which, you know, 11 of those 19 turnovers were steals there, and seven blocks as well. Andre Iguodala had three steals of his own, and Quinn Cook had two in just five minutes of play. Uh, but, you know, in the end, ultimately, it was the Rockets' inability to get good open shots and converting them, that, that that's what killed them. Uh, Houston shot just 39% from the field, while the Warriors converted over 52% of their attempts and were their usual potent offensive selves. So game four of that series is tonight in Oakland at 6 p.m., Pacific time. Um, that series as well, I think, was one that I was kind of on the fence about at first. I picked Houston in seven or Houston in six when I first started this um, coverage of the conference finals. At this point, I am leaning more towards the Golden State Warriors winning this series because uh, how often do you see a team win a game by 40 points and lose a series? It doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, but there have been blowouts on both sides of this series so far. I think it continued that way as well. I hope it is more competitive, though. I hope, you know, having some overtime games, that sort of thing. We see some really, really impressive games. At this point, I do think the Warriors win this series, maybe in seven games or six games, depending on what happens uh, with, with tonight's game and, and uh, the rest of the games in, in Houston as well. So um, I think if I had to say something right now, I'd say Golden State probably in six. Um, if the Rockets do take game four from the Warriors in Oakland, I do think that that's going to shift a little bit. I do think maybe Houston's going to have a chance to win it. But as it stands right now, um, you know, Golden State keeps on playing their kind of basketball the way they're playing, the way they're used to playing, and then it's, it's going to be a no contest, and we're going to have the Warriors in the finals once again. So, guys, that is going to wrap up today's show. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to Locked on Clippers. Uh, come back tomorrow where I'll be analyzing whether or not the Clippers could land Carl Anthony Towns this summer, uh, run through my usual flashback segment for Tuesday, and address Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals. So thank you so much again for listening to Clipper Nation. Once again, I am Garrett Corpenning, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find more from the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and a few other online podcast platforms. And as always, I'll catch you guys tomorrow.